This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today we're talking about self-compassion. As Brene Brown says, we invite compassion into our lives when we act compassionately towards ourselves and others, and we feel connected in our lives when we reach out and connect. So today we're talking about self-compassion, Brene Brown, and mental health. And as it happens, we are right in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Month, which is the whole month of May. And to kick things off, we're joined by Toronto-based naturopathic doctor, ND, Dr. Jody Larry. Also on the program today, our featured artist, 17-year-old singer-songwriter, Raina Harton. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about my first guest. Dr. Jody Larry is a Toronto-based naturopathic doctor, ND, who's been in practice since 2006. She has utilized natural health remedies since the age of 10 years old when a naturopathic doctor cured her of health issues that Western medicine failed to remedy. Founded on her mission to bring people the knowledge and the tools and the support they need to become the best version of themselves, Dr. Larry runs a private practice in Toronto. She also found Ritual, a wellness community. She speaks at corporations and in media and runs group workshops on various health topics. Her mission is really to educate and empower people towards living up to their highest potential of health, mind, and body. Dr. Larry recently became a certified Daring Way facilitator, trained to teach the curriculum and research of Dr. Brene Brown, who we love on this show. And she is also a trained yoga teacher and a certified yoga therapist. Dr. Jody, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much for having me. So great to have you here. I loved you on the Project Give Back talk with, um, of course, the wonderful Ellen Schwartz. And that's how I first came to know of your work. And can you tell me about your relationship with Ellen Schwartz and what it was like to really come full circle and speak on self-compassion at Ellen's Project Give Back Zoom series? Mm-hmm. So I have known Ellen since I was born, pretty much. We grew up at Balfour Beach together, which is about an hour north of the city. And we had cottages very, very close by, maybe five minute walk away. And so Ellen's known me since I was a very, very, very little girl. Um, I've watched Ellen, you know, really bloom into, I call her an angel in human form. That's how I feel about her. And so it was a huge honor to be able to speak to her community. Anytime I'm able to connect with Ellen feels like a huge honor. I I feel exactly the same way. And I'm so glad that, and thanks Ellen for introducing us. (laughs) Jody, uh, Dr. Jody could be here to speak on self-compassion. So I'm so excited to dive right in. I thought we should just start with what exactly do you do as a naturopathic doctor? Okay, very good question. So um, naturopathic doctors uh, nowadays, I would say, are very, we work in this a similar way that a GP would work in the sense that we are working with people's day-to-day health. We're just looking at it in a different way. So it's much more holistic. So whereas you know, in conventional medicine, when you go for a headache, they might look at treatments like Advil or Tylenol. You know, we're really looking at the whole lifestyle, um, what a person's eating, all the way to what they're thinking. That's so wonderful. What first attracted you to studying with the incredible Brene Brown? And I know you were trained by Brene Brown to become a certified Daring Way facilitator. What does that mean exactly? And can you speak about really your love for Brene Brown? Yeah. So I've I've been a naturopath for almost 15 years. I've always been in the healing arts. I've always worked very intimately with people and groups, Um, but mostly from the perspective of naturopathic medicine, which again, like I said, utilizes food and and it is holistic, um, but not so, you know, not as holistic as the Brene Brown work. Anyhow, about five or six years ago, I stumbled on a TED Talk, that famous TED Talk that I'm sure most people have seen that Brene Brown did. 
um, 20 minutes. And I think it was called The Cost of Invulnerability. And it changed my life. Honestly, that, that TED Talk alone changed my life because I had been living for the first, you know, 35 years of my life thinking that vulnerability was bad and I had to always, you know, pretend I was good and I had it going on, even if I really maybe didn't. And this video in 20 minutes, it like gives you permission to feel and emote. And it was just so mind blowing to me, honestly, it really was mind blowing. And so I started researching um, how I could do get deeper into this work. And I found a certified daring weight facilitator here in Toronto at the time. So all that means is that you are trained and licensed to teach her curriculum. That's so great. In preparation for this interview, you wanted us to familiarize ourselves with two of Brene Brown's podcasts. And I have to tell you the first one um, with Dr. Edith Eager on recognizing the choices in our lives, which is based on her New York Times bestselling The Choice and The Gift and Beloved by Oprah absolutely made me weep. So that conversation between Brene and Dr. Eager. And I know that Brene Brown said that doing this interview was a once in a lifetime experience for her. And it was for me just listening to it. So thank you for recommending that. And just to let our listeners know what we're talking about here, Dr. Eager was a Holocaust survivor and a thriver, as she puts it. And she talks about shame and guilt and how you have to assign it back to the perpetrator because it's not having that victim mentality. Rather, it's what was done to me, but it is not me. And Brene and Dr. Eager, and I suspect you as well, Dr. Jody, invite people to reclaim their true selves. What does that mean exactly? And can you elaborate on that? So um, to reclaim your true self. Yes. So that's a broad, you know, a broad, broad statement. But I would say that when we are born, we are born without any awareness of external influence. Okay. And then we get older and our brains develop more and we start to realize more and more the outside influence. And when we start to absorb the outside influence, it can change our true nature because we think, oh, this is a bad part. Don't show people that. Or, you know, you're too loud or you're too sensitive. So don't show people that part. Or when you think about teenagers or whatnot, you know, you're supposed to be a certain weight or a certain look or all those things. And then you move away from your true nature. Mm-hmm because of what the outside influences are telling you. Right. And then what I see, most of the women and men, but mostly women that I work with are in their middle age and they come back because they want to find their true selves again. They want to, they want to realize who is me and who is the external influence because mm-hmm. it's not fun anymore. Living for out here, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And so the work that Brene Brown teaches is is the unlayering of what are these stories that are taking me away from my authenticity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how can I start to investigate and become aware of them so I can change them and actually start living aligned with who I am. So Not how me. how do you, Dr. Jody, help people start to peel away some of those attachments to labels and to things that don't really belong to us that we're still living with so that we can be happier and be healthier and really be at our best, especially in a time like this, which has been so hard on so many people. We've seen so much suffering, so much loss. And yet at the same time, this is an opportunity for us, I think, to do the work that maybe we wouldn't have had a chance to do in our former lives We've got that time to do the work. So how do you help people peel back the layers? Where do we start with all of this work? So the first place to start, in my opinion, is you have to take the judgment out. As soon as there is judgment about any aspect of yourself that you want to change or grow, it will stagnate that change or grow. And that's where most people stumble before they've even began because most people think, oh, I don't like this part about myself. I'm just going to judge and criticize and shame myself. And then eventually I'll just hate it so much that it'll have to change. 
well, has it changed? <laughs> so, um, you know, the first piece is people have to let go of their judgment of self. People are very, very critical, most people, of self. And you cannot grow or do any of the work that I lead people through from a lens of criticism and judgment of self or other for that matter. So that's always the first step. Ramdas, have you heard of Ramdas, Baba Ramdas? No, I haven't. Okay, so Ramdas was one of the first spiritual teachers like in the 60s. Um, his real name is Richard Alpert. You might know him from that name. He was a Harvard professor. And he was sort of the first in the 60s to go to India and you know study with a guru and then bring yoga back, back then. Coined a term that I use in my work every day to this day called loving awareness Mm, and loving awareness is looking at these parts of self that you don't maybe like at this moment or you want to change or you want to shift back to your truth but without judgment just loving awareness like how did I get here that's how you have to see it how did I get here not oh I got here because (laughs) my mom's this and my dad's this and then all the it's just like how did I get here with curiosity. It sounds like you're saying just witness it almost like you would in a meditation yeah. when you're in a mindful state and you're just saying, what, what am I seeing here? Let's just witness it without judgment. Yeah. And how, but important to witness it. But then the second piece, which is really the more important is then what am I changing it to? Nice. Right. Can you give us an example, like a concrete example of something that maybe in your life or in one of your your patients' lives where there was something that was really bothering you, you had to witness it, look at it, square in the face, and then change it? Um, A lot of these old stories that we tell ourselves that actually um, impact our behaviors and our choices in life, and this is why it's so important that we know what they are, because a lot of them come from our childhood. So I was raised by a mother, amazing mother. I love my mother, best woman, best friend. I love her. But my mom was very different than me. She grew up in a different time. My mom worked, but not really. Like when we were older, you know, she kind of had a passion. She raised us. Um, she had a couple different things that she did, but she wasn't like a working mama, you know, from right. one. No judgment either way. But she really raised me with the narrative of be a selfless mom, put your kids first all the time. Like you come last, your career comes last, your profession comes last, like self comes last. Like that, those were the narratives. But I'm not my mom. Like I'm a freaking sorry. <laughs> I, I never really took a mat leave. Like my work is my child in a way. Like I have two children and my work is my passion. I'm different from my mom. So when I started my journey with those narratives, it was very conflicted. You understand? Because I had this storyline underneath saying that what I was doing was bad and wrong, but I was doing it because it was, but it was bad and wrong. So it was very conflicted. And then I had to do the work of realizing, no, that's not my story. My story is this. My story is, you know, I'm a mother and I'm a CEO of a wellness brand and I'm a naturopathic doctor. And, um, I've been, you know, running my own company for 15 years and I have two children and I'm a wonderful mom and I love them and I'm present and I'm there and, 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 and I keep time for myself because I need to. And I'm at my cottage right now by myself because I need to be here so I can work. So this really is about being compassionate to yourself. And a big part of your work, Dr. Jody, is on self-compassion. What is it exactly? And what is the difference between self-compassion and self-esteem? So, um, very good question. So self-compassion is a practice. That would be the first thing that I would say. And I feel like self-esteem is more like a personality trait. Like you either have, you know, good self-esteem or low self-esteem. Self-compassion is an exercise, something that you do. It's more like a verb, right? Where I feel like self-esteem is a noun. Wow. Interesting. I've never thought of it that way. That's so cool. Yeah. So self-compassion is a practice. It's a muscle that you build. It's not innate. So Brene Brown, all all the self-compassion work that I talk about comes from Brene's research. I just want to say that up front because 
it's all based on research. She's a PhD. She's done tons and tons. This is all based on data, right? So what she's found is that human beings in their primitive brain are not wired for self-compassion. You'd think we are, but we're not. And when we become more stressed, more emotional, our brains actually go into survival and scarcity, which puts us into judgment and criticism and separation and not enough and all of that. Mm -hmm. That then leads to negative health habits, um, anxiety, depression, overeating, addictions, because it doesn't feel good to beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good, but it is our innate default. It is what every human does until they decide that they're going to try to practice something different. So it's like flexing a muscle and you can only flex that muscle by doing the work. So what are some of the things that one can do? What is the work to start? Literally, the definition of self-compassion, it's really easy. Easy, but not simple. It's talking to yourself the way you would talk to someone you love. That's it. Wow. I mean, that makes me want to cry because that's that's so powerful because you wouldn't talk to your three-year-old or your five-year-old child the same way you talk to yourself when you're overeating and you're not being at your best, healthiest self. You would be kind. You would take that three-year-old by the hand and you would say loving things like what? Like you're doing the best that you can and you know it's very stressful right now like I'm talking even more to moms with young kids who are probably beating themselves up because they're not handling it well and all that and oh my god and look at everyone on Instagram they look so good and you're falling apart and what's wrong with you and why do you yell so much and and instead it's like Jode breathe like really hard right now times are really really tough you are managing the best that you can and I'm actually really, really proud of how well you're doing. And it's not ideal and it's not perfect. And there are good days and bad days. But like, girl, you're doing, you're rocking this. And I love you. <laughs> oh. And that's a practice. And like, people want a solution. They want a pill. That's the problem, right? A lot of people don't like this answer. Like, what do you mean? So I got to like do something every time? Like, <laughs> work? Like I got to... <laughs> you know, peace out. I'd rather take out of it for real though. it's funny but it's true it's so true it's so so true and the thing with self-compassion is no one can do it for you and if you st- if you put down the weight goodbye muscle you Goodbye. you wrote to us, according to Kristen Neff, one of the world's leading experts on self-compassion, one of the biggest myths about self-compassion is that it means feeling sorry for yourself. Why is that, in fact, a myth? And can you explain the difference between self-compassion and self-pity? If I'm lying in bed with a bag of chips and I'm and it's the pandemic and I'm already I've been lying in bed with a bag of chips every night for three weeks and I'm overweight and I'm bloated and I feel disgusting. Getting in bed with that bag of chips is not self-compassion. That's actually self-sabotage. What about hugging dust? What about ice cream? Again, like if it hurts you, <laughs> that's all, right? Yeah. If the habit yeah. hurts you and you know it hurts you and, you and you're doing it anyways, that's not self-compassion. Even if it's a pandemic, even if life's so hard, you know, go eat the ice cream. I don't care. But if it hurts you, that's mm-hmm. not the self-compassionate thing Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is about, again, if, if, if you were told that your child was allergic to ice cream mm-hmm. would you allow, and, it, and it would give them diarrhea and hurt their stomach, would you allow them to eat ice cream even though they wanted it so bad? No, you'd love your, absolutely not. But for you, you'd eat the ice cream and have the diarrhea. It takes a lot of courage to do this work and to learn how to be kinder to yourself. Can you speak about courage and how it really relates to self-compassion? Yeah, so courage is really about not allowing shame and fear to get in the way of what it is that you want to do in your life, whatever that is. And it's not if, you know, Brene Brown always says, it's not if the shame and fear come, it's when the shame and fear comes. People who are courageous know how to meet it with self-compassion. They know how to not let it take over their heads and their brains. And it, they, they know how to not let that stuff hold them back from continuing to do the things that they want to do in their life, even if 
there might be some ridicule or criticism. Mm -hmm. But how do you flex that courageous muscle? By knowing the shame and fear so well, so unbelievably intimately, as if it's like one of your organs Mm -hmm. and learning how to be with it so that it doesn't hold you back. You learn how to be with it and control it. I love that. That's fabulous stuff. Dr. Jody, can you speak on resilience and why it's so important to be resilient? Yeah. So um, every, as Dr. Brene Brown teaches and as I teach as well, if you're going to be courageous with your life in any aspect, you're going to fall. It's not that you might fall. If you're going to be courageous, if you're going to, you know, be bold with your life and do things then you're going to fail. You're going to take risks. You're going to fail. So resilience is learning how to rise from those falls. It's a skill set and it's a really important skill set for life because we're all going to fall. <laughs> you know, we better learn the skill of resilience to get back up and fall again and get back up. And the more we do that, the more we build that muscle over and over again. But in my opinion, it's, it's something that every child, every human needs because we're all going to fall. But if we stay safe with our life, if, we, if we're not courageous, we don't really need resilience because, you know, we just stay safe over here. But the payoff is so great. Yeah. And I, I love I love the quote about fall down seven times, get up the eighth and or, or the wonderful children's book, Blessing of a Skin Knee. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but just all about how it's important to let kids fall and skin their knee and not fix it right away and let them learn how to fix it. And as adults yeah. as well, we need to do this work. You're also very involved in nutrition. And I don't know if I've, if this is accurate, but I, I seem to have read that you also do a cleanse. Do you believe in cleanses? I'm very interested in this personally uh, in doing one. So I'm just curious about what it entails, what are the benefits, and can you, can you speak to that? Yeah. So I, for over a decade, had a program called Cleanse for Life. It is or was a 10-day clean eating program. I recently in January rebranded to Ritual, which you mentioned at the beginning, which actually stands for the Rituals of Wellness. So what I found was that programs, you're going to be on and off them your whole life. That's not how you're getting healthy. What's actually going to move the dial on your health is your rituals. It's, it's, it's what you do every day that's going to move the needle on your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health. It's not like the program. It's what you do every single day. So I rebranded the cleanse to um, Ritual, which is a 10-day reset. It's a similar concept, but it's basically just taking out, you know, all of the kind of crappy foods. So for 10 like? Days, like refined sugar, um, white carbohydrates, uh, processed food, alcohol, caffeine, things like that. Wine? Alcohol. Dairy? Yeah. <laughs> Dairy, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. It's really getting to the, you know, fruits, proteins, vegetables, grains for 10 days. Give your body, you know, literally a reset. And then you get to see how food impacts because food really, like what you eat is your health. Do you meditate? Do you meditate daily? I do. So I'm currently in a coaching program. I get up every single morning at 6 a.m. and I get coached for an hour, Monday to Friday. And we start the day 10 minutes goal setting, um, 40 minutes of coaching, and then we finish with 20 minutes of meditation and visualization. Wow. Yeah. What a great way to start your day. And do you yeah. feel that this just refuels and reinvigorates you so that you can do the beautiful work it's that you my, do? It's my, where I receive so that I can then live in the day. Yeah. You know, I was very struck by this. This Dr. Eager says, when you live in anger and in pain, you're just a prisoner. How do we rewrite those scripts? When you asked about, you know, what is the work that you do with people? How do you start unraveling the layers? And one of the ways that I work with people a lot of the times is that most people that start coming to this work, they come because they don't know how to feel. They don't know how to feel anything, really, because they grew up in households where Maybe anger was allowed by men, but outside of that, it was like, buck up, soldier on, mm -hmm. be grateful for what you have. People have it way worse, like kind of smile and move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you're raised in an environment like that, you don't learn how to feel. The problem is we're emotive humans and 
if you're not feeling, your emotions are going somewhere. Usually they're becoming physical symptoms, anxiety, depression, addictions, habits that we don't want, all that stuff. So we have to learn how to start really feeling instead of like blaming everybody else for Mm. our problems. We have to actually go inside and say, okay, maybe this person triggered me, but what is happening for me here? Because when you take the blame off of the external situation and you actually just start to see what's happening inside you, then you can do something. But when you're blaming out, and I'm talking even the pandemic is a blaming out of an external situation, even that people, whatever, when you're blaming out, you lose all your power. There's no power. That's so true. That's so true. She also writes, Dr. Eager, in her book that love is a four-letter word, and that word is time, T-I-M-E. That's the biggest gift that someone can give you, and that word is time. And that just really resonated with me as well. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, your full presence. Yeah. And, And especially in 2021, when we're living in a world that most parents, even of children, are addicted to their phones. Kids are addicted to their phones, you know, want to be distracted, busy all the time to clear your schedule for somebody and really give them your presence, your, your, your attention, your space, your, your love. Like that is what every human being needs so badly, more so now than ever. You also wanted me to look, Dr. Jody, another part of the Unlocking Us episode called Strong Backs, Soft Friends, Wild Hearts. Can you just tell us briefly what Brene Brown is talking about when she talks about having a strong back, a soft friend, and a wild heart? Yeah, so that's one of her like big lingos. And what she means by that, so strong back is a strong backbone. So you have boundaries. You don't get walked all over. You can say no. You're not a people pleaser you put your needs on the list. Okay. That's a strong back. And most people that come to the work when they start, my clients at least, do not have a strong back. They cannot Mm -hmm. say no ever. They're yes men. They're people pleasers and they're hurting inside because of it. So Mm -hmm. a strong back eliminates that. Mm -hmm. It means you have boundaries. You can say no, you know your worth. You're not a people pleaser. Um, Soft front is you're still very compassionate. It's not like you're like, you know, boundary with a wall. Like <laughs> you know your worth, you have your boundaries and soft front, loving, compassionate, wild heart, authenticity. Mm. Do you? Just do you. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's not what everybody's gonna like, do you, be you, all in. I also love about Brene talking about how she was giving a talk with, um, and I want to make sure I say this name correctly, Joan Halifax, who's a Buddhist Zen master and teacher and author. And she was giving a talk at night and she was supposed to go to the meet and greet a few hours before. And Joan Halifax said to Brene Brown, I'm going to my hotel room to rest and you should do the same thing because tonight you're going to have to do a lot of exhaling and I'm going to have to do a lot of exhaling. And now is our chance to inhale. And I thought that was so powerful that we don't spend enough time inhaling. We're so busy exhaling. Can you elaborate on this? Cause I feel that that um, has that changed during COVID. Um, is this happening more that we really need to sit down and inhale to get through all of this? So personally, and I don't know because I haven't talked to her, you know, one-on-one, but personally what I would take in terms of what she was trying to say from that is receiving, right? The inhale, the receiving of breath is just as important as the giving. Mm -hmm. And we have to, we have to carve out the time to do that. Jody, you have a video series called the Inspiration Series, and these feature um, mentors and fellow uh, health and wellness professionals, and most importantly, people that inspire you. The main goal of the Inspiration Series is to open your patients and followers up to fresh ideas in the realm of healing and to inspire and encourage people to live the life they've always imagined for themselves. When did you start this and how can other people take part in this? Yeah, so... I started this, I'm trying to think, I want to say about two years ago, um, completely as a passion project because I've been on a journey of healing myself for, I would say, about 20 years, solid, like constant. Um, I feel as though if I'm not working on myself, I'm not evolving because if you're not working, you're not evolving. And as a leader, um, if I'm not evolving, 
I can't lead in that way, right? I can only, you can only take people as far as you've gone. And I, because of that, I've had access and connection to so many incredible healing professionals. Wow. That have wow. really a lot of them become my close friends and mentors over the years. So I wanted to share these people and their messages with the world because a lot of people couldn't even afford to see these people. You know, their hourly rate is so high and just the access to them. Wow. So I really wanted to share their wisdom with my community, just in an attempt to inspire change, wisdom, education around healing and, um, you know, this type of work. How can people connect to your 10-day foundational reset called Ritual? Yes, thank you. So the Ritual community is amazing. I usually run the groups almost every month. I can send a link that you can post if there's show notes or whatnot, and you guys can find out there. I also post a lot on Instagram. So if people want to follow Dr. Jody Larry, one word. And um, yeah. If you had a final closing, most important thought on self-compassion as we move through this pandemic, as we move through very difficult times in the world right now, what would be your final sort of golden nugget on self-compassion and how to inject it in your life so that you can find your bliss and follow your bliss? So it starts with you. You're the only person that can impact or change your life. If you're going to look to the external circumstances for your happiness, your joy, you're always going to struggle and suffer. And you are responsible for creating your joy or your bliss. As you say, you are the only one that can do it. You are responsible for your life. I love that. And what is your overall goal to do with people? What do you want to achieve the most with all the people that you're helping? I want to help people obtain a loving and authentic connection to themselves. It's lovely. What is bliss for Dr. Jody Larry? Um, being on a beach somewhere with my family, listening to live music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm with you. I'm going to come have a, have a drink with you on that beach. What is the best way for people to contact you, book you for consultation, and just tell us again how they can connect with you on social media? Yeah, so social media, Dr. Jody Larry, J-O-D-I-L-A-R-R-Y, one word. And my website is my name, Jody Larry N Nature Doctor D.com and D.com. Those would be the easiest ways, I would say. And I can send some links as well. That's so fantastic. And next time you have to come back with Brene Brown, we're going to get Brene and you together having a great conversation. <laughs> I'll just moderate it and that'll, that'll be so wonderful. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Jody, for being on the show today. It's really been just a breath of fresh air having you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. When we come back, more of Finding Your Bliss and our next guest, singer-songwriter, Raina Harton. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. We're joined now by singer-songwriter Raina Harton. Raina Harden is only 17 years old, and she's been involved with the performing arts since she was only four. She started playing piano, guitar, and ukulele, as well as dancing competitively during her childhood years. She's also been singing and recording albums professionally since the age of 10. Raina was also a member of a group called the Mini Pop Kids from the age of 10 to 13 years old. 
Raina has also worked on three albums with the Mini Pop Kids MPK and has performed at sold out concert shows all across Canada. She's been involved in music videos and commercials, TV appearances on CTV, CP24, Breakfast Television, CHCH TV and Rogers TV. As a solo recording artist, some of the highlights of Raina's music career include performing for We Day at the Air Canada Centre in Toronto and touring Canada and the U.S. to sold-out concert venues. Raina has always had an interest in acting as well and would love to get back into acting on stage and in film and television. Beyond the performing arts, Raina is passionate about global issues. She is also very outspoken about mental health, gender and race equality and economic disparities. Raina, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you for having me. Raina, I love that you were one of the mini pop kids. And that's actually a very stunning achievement. Can you tell us about what it was like being part of that group? Yeah, so being a part of that group, I think that was my first kind of like real transition into like the music industry. We started off, uh, you know, rehearsals and everything. And then we started off with some smaller shows when I first joined. Um, and I had never done shows at that capacity, you know, like dancing, singing and like connecting with the audience. And then I was like slowly introduced to recording albums. We filmed commercials. And as the group progressed, um, we started doing bigger shows. So we would have like autograph signings after meet and greets. And it was such a cool experience to meet fans. It was kind of surreal. And I was, I was also very young and I was like, wow, like, you know, all these kids are looking up to me and it was just really cool to be a role model for them. Studio time was so fun. I had never had an experience like that before joining this group and, uh, you know, just getting closer with my, uh, I don't know, bandmates or the kids in the group, uh, it was honestly like such a great connection I made with them and what we shared, you know, touring, meeting fans, shooting commercials, making albums. It was pretty special. And uh, I'm honestly forever grateful for that experience because it, it taught me a lot and uh, helped me become the artist I am today. It's so amazing. It, it means you became a professional at a very young age mm-hmm. and it's a pretty heady experience. Like I know the mini pop kids, they're, they're serious stuff. And so I think that's so fantastic that you've done that. Um, I'm just wondering a little, if you could tell us a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing, how did working as a professional singer in the music industry impact your childhood? Right. So I don't know. I've kind of thought of it as like, um, sometimes me and my friends would compare ourselves to like Disney stars, you know, like, like, uh, like Bella Thorne or like Zendaya. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm so grateful for the experience and something I've kind of noticed as I've grown up is like when I was in the mini pop kids, um, you know, I had to like appeal to this audience, like, you know, little kids, I was their role model. Like they looked up to us. Um, so it was, um, it was like I had this image I had to portray for many years and it was like a learning experience for me, but it also became a little bit confusing for me. You know, at one point as I grew older, I think I left the group when I was about 13. When I reached those teenage years, I became a little confused because I was like, who am I as an artist by myself? Um, so yeah, kind of that upbringing was really amazing. But as I neared the end of it, um, there was a little bit of confusion and uncertainty about who I was as an individual. And I think you even took some time off to sort of figure out what that looked like and who you were as an artist. And I'm just wondering what what that looked like, that period of sort of exploration. I spent a lot of time focusing on my mental health. That's something that I struggle with. And I'm very open about it because I, I love to advocate for it and I really, really want to destigmatize it and, you know, open up the conversation. Um, so I spent a lot of time advocating for mental health, focusing on my own. Um, so that was a, a big part of, I guess, my journey and me coming into myself. And in terms of the arts as well, I focused in on some acting, some on-screen acting as well as theater acting. I go to a school for the arts. I'm in the music theater program. Um, for on-screen acting, I booked my first role. Um, I was portraying Amanda Todd. I don't know if you know her story, but that also kind of ties into the mental health aspect because 
our, our stories in a, in a way, she kind of reminded me of myself. Um, she was also a singer. Um, and it was, it was great to play that role. Uh, it was touching. And, uh, I did some theater productions and I continue to do that at school. And honestly, just during the break that I took, I was coming into myself, you know, maturing, aging. Um, and I, uh, I tried to write some music, but I had this idea that, you know, it had to be perfect. Um, and I'm slowly learning to let go of that narrative um, and just, you know, let it be because not everything's going to be perfect. I have this perfectionist tendency, but, you know, like if, if I don't love it, someone else is going to love it. And, it, you know, it might help someone else. So I can't focus on me. I just need to write stories and use my voice, spread my message. And I think that's all that matters. You're such, you're such a true artist. That's what I really hear when I read about you. And even more so when I speak to you, you mentioned this. So I'm going to ask you about this. You wrote on May 1st, 2020 in an Instagram post. I want to explain to you guys where the happy girl in this pic has been for the last couple of months. Today's the beginning of Mental Health Awareness Month. And I wanted to come back on here and be candid with my followers. Back in December, I had plans to end my life, which resulted in a hospitalization in a children's psychiatric unit for a couple of weeks. So first of all, I wanted to say it's so good to see you well and and doing great but i also want to acknowledge you for sharing your message because i bet that is helping and has helped so many other kids because you're being transparent and you're being vulnerable as brene brown says which is the only way to sort of get to the other side so i just want to ask you what helped you during this time rain and what advice do you have for other kids who are struggling oh wow a lot of things uh have helped me one of the most prominent things I think is a support system, a very strong support system. You know, I have my mom, I have my whole family, I have therapists, I have friends. Um, at certain points, you know, there were also like crisis lines that I could reach out to. And, you know, for, you know, not everyone has the same situation. If, if you don't feel safe, like in a family environment, make sure you reach out to friends. If, if you can't reach your friends, there's always someone that's willing to listen. Even in that post I wrote, I, I explained that, you know, my messages are always open. If anyone wants to talk to me, I really think like that's, that's the biggest part of it is having a support system, a strong one. And, uh, something that a lot of people told me and that I've had to remind myself is to take things day by day. You know, I was like, why, why do I still feel like this? Like it should just, you know, I should just be better by now. But honestly, it's a process. I'm still growing, you know, not to say that I'm perfectly okay now, but advice that I would give to anyone struggling is just give yourself permission to feel what you're feeling. Do not rush the process. You know, I feel like everything happens for a reason and you need to let yourself feel things in order to heal. Absolutely. Does music help you, Raina? Does music help? Of course. Um, in many different aspects. Uh, let's say like so, some days I would just hop on the piano and like whether it was a cover or just me trying to write something. I don't know how to explain the feeling I felt, <laughs> but the, the second like I put my hands on the piano or the guitar and I sing a song that's meaningful to me, it's it's so it's such a release and it's so calming. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's releasing anger. Maybe it's uh, calming my anxiety. Um, but, and then also like the writing aspect as well. Like it, it just helps to pour everything that's in my soul onto paper, onto piano, onto guitar, let it out of me and hope that maybe when I release it, if I post a cover that it's going to help someone else. That's so wonderful. What is bliss for Raina Harton? Hmm, bliss for me, I would say... Surrounding myself with love, support, music, passion. I would say that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> it's a big question. It's yeah. a big one. <laughs> I mean, I think these words kind of tie together, but I would say inner peace. And, you know, people can find that in different ways. The ways I found it are nature. I love going on walks. I love going to the lake and writing. Um, inner peace as in the way I talk to myself, um, positive affirmations, 
inner peace as in taking care of myself, knowing when to take breaks, uh, knowing when I need to reach out for help. Um, inner peace as also knowing when I can push through things um, and pushing boundaries so that I can grow. Yeah. Nice. Those all sound like wonderful, wonderful things. I can tell you that bliss for us is hearing you sing and watching you perform. And I've always felt that way every time I've seen you on Instagram or anywhere. And you've written a wonderful song, a single called Loveless Souls. Can you give us a little sort of tell us a little bit about the song that we're going to be hearing? Yeah, yeah. So I wrote that when I was, uh, I'm not sure, I think I was 13 or 14. I was in grade nine. I'm in grade 12 now. Uh, I went out to LA and I didn't know what I wanted to write about, but I was just thinking. um, And as you mentioned earlier, I'm very passionate about global issues, political issues. And I was just thinking about like, you know, what's going on in the world right now? I think there were, there was like a heightened political climate at the time. I don't remember what it was, but um, I... I was like, I I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what I can do, you know, and I I feel like a lot of people feel the same way. So I sat down with these writers and we just put my thoughts onto paper and then we molded them into lyrics. And then uh, the video is not on YouTube right now. I got to work on getting it back onto YouTube, but I filmed the video and in the background, uh, we put a lot of clips of like, you know, the March for Our Lives, um, I think like Black Lives Matter protests and kind of just like bringing that message about like, uh, you know, like world issues. And if we don't take control, we're loveless souls. That was one of the lines in the song. And uh, Well, you're terrific. I can't believe you're only 17 because you're an old soul. But let's have a listen to Raina Harton's original song, Loveless Souls. Same thing, different day. Seems like nothing's ever gonna change. We lost like renegades. Don't wanna play a losing game Wake up to stories we make up, yeah It don't feel real We put on our makeup to hide what we're made of, yeah We all conceive I think we lost our minds In the world outside Come on, tell Oh my God, that was so beautiful. That was really beautiful. Wow. And your your voice has this timbre and this tone that is just so gorgeous and so recognizable. I know I sound like I'm on (laughs) ACT American Idol, but you really have this tone that is just absolutely magnificent. So, wow. Congratulations on that. Raina, you mentioned in the past that your music has been more pop-based and that now you're heading towards more of an R&B and pop style feel in your future projects and you want to do some acting. Can you tell us what's next for you? Yeah, of course. Um, I would like to come out with an EP. Um, And once the pandemic is over, for sure, I'm hopping back in the studio right away. Um, I'm planning, hopefully, to put lots of music videos to those songs that are hopefully going to be on this EP and uh, still continue to grow as a person, evolve and evolve as an artist as well. That's so great. Will you come back when the EP is here and tell us all about it and we can play some of the music? Of course. (laughs) It's been so wonderful having you today. I have to say I'm very, um, I'm just blown away by what an old soul and your maturity and just your beauty as an artist, really, you're, you're terrific. And it's been great having you here. Thank you so much for being on Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. I appreciate it. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And if you're an author, artist, writer, or anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. Also, we encourage you to visit us at Finding Your Bliss magazine findyourbliss.com. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank my guests, Dr. Jody Larry and the very talented Raina Harden for being on the show today. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. This show has been recorded 
by Squadcast. We're going to go on a short commercial break right now. When we come back, we will be closing out the show with a short meditation all about loving kindness. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. We're going to close out the show today with a short meditation. Begin by settling back, get as comfortable as you can, gently close your eyes and switch off all of the responses all over your body as your muscles begin to ease off further and further. Just take in a nice deep breath right in through your nose and let it go slowly and evenly. Let's try that again. Breathing in and breathing out slowly on the exhale. And one more beautiful inhale right in. Holding it and letting it go in a nice slow exhale. I want you to picture right now someone that you love, someone you are close to, or even someone you don't know that you are wishing well. Keep breathing. And as you breathe out, imagine sending out a beautiful beacon, a ray of light to your loved one or even to a stranger, wishing them love, peace, and happiness. As you continue breathing, think the words, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering, may you have peace. Keep sending that loving energy to your loved ones, even to strangers who may be suffering right now. And finally, send that compassion back to yourself. One more cleansing breath in through your nose. And as you exhale, wish peace and freedom from suffering for all human beings. Gently open your eyes, stretch, yawn, smile, wiggle your fingers and toes, and have a wonderful rest of the day. For everyone here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.